Good morning. We are uh, stealing our theme from a Will Smith movie called Collateral Beauty. Um, I do not endorse the theology of the movie Collateral Beauty, but it asks some serious questions about how we deal with love and time and death. And so we're going to examine those because these truths that uh, Will's talking about there, I'm talking like I know him, Will, my buddy. Uh, didn't know I was from West Philadelphia. Oh, wait for it. Wait for it. All right. Sorry. I apologize for that joke. Um, but we are, we are diving into this collateral beauty idea because when we look at Easter, when we, we dive into what Easter is all about, about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that there is collateral beauty all in Easter. There's unintended beautiful things happening throughout Easter. Easter is about the death and resurrection of Jesus, so therefore we can die to ourselves and be and rise again whenever judgment happens. That we don't have to be contained to this earth, to this vessel, that we get to have eternal life. That our sin issue gets to be redeemed, restored, and forgiven, and we get to have eternal life forever and ever with God. That is what Easter starts to do. What Easter redeems the human story. This is kind of a big deal. Easter is huge. But that has ripples all throughout how the human condition operates. And one of the major issues that happens because of it is this idea of hope. This idea of I can hope for a better future. I can hope for a better now. I can hope in that love will happen. I can hope that, that time can be well spent. I can hope that death in death something means something more. Hope is all in it. This is a, a side effect, a collateral beauty idea of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so as we examine this, as we, as we deal with it, as we, we dive into it, there's a, a few truths that we can glean that we're going to examine for the next few weeks. Death is no longer the end. It is a beginning. Love is not a commodity, but who you can be. Time is not something we endure, but a treasure. And life is bigger than we've ever dreamed. Those are kind of the staple sentences for the next couple of weeks. This morning, we're delving into time. But as uh, the bumper said, these truths hit us in somewhere in our life, and we have to deal with them. We deal with them um, throughout our life. We deal with them when a, maybe a baby's born. We deal with them when a new relationship starts. We deal with them uh, maybe when there's a death in the family. But these things kind of come up in our lives at some point. First, we long for love. We wish we had more time. And we fear death. Collateral beauty is when love invades your life, your heart and soul, and it changes your environment. So in dealing with time, we have to ask the question, how do we spend our time? Are we really that busy or do we just think we are? If you do a timesheet, I do this every once in a while to kind of adjust, where's my time going? Um, And there's numerous sources online you can do this. They have every hour of every day, and you block in when you sleep, 
Some of us, that's only two hours. Some of us, it's 10. It's so hopefully somewhere in between you're getting that much sleep. But you can do these hour blocks. You mark out what you're doing, and, and you can do it to the 15 minute if you really, really, really want to get crazy about your time. But you can see exactly where it's all going. And all of a sudden you go, wow, there's a lot of dead space in here. Facebook's taking like 50% of my time. Um, you know, maybe that's a thing. Or, wow, I spend a lot of time doing X, Y, or Z. And that's not really beneficial. That's not reflective of who I want to become. That's not who I want to be. This is just kind of dead bleh stuff. Others of you will look at it in a season of your life and go, yeah, yeah, I don't have time to fill out the timesheet to figure out where all my time's going because I, my head's going around in circles and circles and circles. Well, then you really need to fill out the timesheet because then you're going to find out where you can cut and where the waste is and all those things. But we find ourselves uh, somewhere on that paradigm. How do we spend the time that we have? If time is our most important commodity and love is how we spend it, what are we buying? If time is our most important commodity and love is how we spend it, what are we buying? What are you purchasing with your time? That's an important question for all of us. How are we spending this precious, precious resource that we have? The crazy thing about time is we actually have no idea how much we have, right? We, we have no, no idea of how much time we actually have uh, on this earth. When we are seven, like my son, he thinks he's got all the time in the world. However, there could be a car crash on the way home today, and it could all be gone, right? You don't know how much time. You think you've got all the time in the world, but you really, you have no guaranteed time allotment for you. So look at your week. What are you spending your time on? Out of the way in which you spend your time, what has the highest rate of return? What When you spend your time on that, does it just come back and overflow? What's paying dividends in your life? I look at my week and I see where my time goes. A lot of it goes into two different categories that I can't really control that much. I work and I sleep. We got some amp kids downstairs right now. But uh, so, we spend a lot of time on, on work and we spend a lot of time on sleep. Now, you can't really control that. You need sleep. Um, I'm the father of a newborn. I know you need, you need sleep. Uh, you also need to work. There's a, this the thing like you gotta, you know, you gotta, gotta work so you can eat things and have a place to sleep. It's important. So you got to do those things, but you have some allotment of time in between the working and the sleeping and don't try sleeping at work. It doesn't work out so well because then you won't be working very much longer. Um, but you can, you can do the, you got some time there that this is, this is your time. This is how you get to spend it. This is how you get to, no one's telling you how to spend it. You get to invest that time however you'd like. You get to invest it in your kids, your marriage, uh, your hobbies, your, you, whatever. You get to invest that time however you'd like to do. How are you spending that time? If I'm honest with myself, sometimes I look at that time a lot and go, whoo, that was a waste. How are we spending that time? I have worked jobs where 15 minutes seemed like six hours. And you're just like staring at the clock. Please move faster. 
And then I've had times in my life where I'm doing activity and four hours seemed like 15 minutes. It's all about how are we spending that time? What are we investing it in? See, I think one of the ways we can leverage that time expenditure is this. Change the have-tos to get-tos. And that doesn't mean you have to get a new job. doesn't mean you have to get a new wife. It doesn't mean you have to get a new kid, because those, those, there's, there's a lot involved in that. It doesn't mean you have to do anything. You don't have to get a new car. You don't have to get a new, uh, new house. You don't have to get a new yard. But you change your have-tos to get Now, we all have to do things that we don't really necessarily want to do. We have to go to that party. We have to go to that in-law's house. we We have to do that chore. We have to mow the grass. We have to whatever. But I get to. Just think of the mental shift. And when we use our time from going from I have to do these things to I get to do these things. I get to go to work. I get to provide for my family. I get to do these things. I get to take my kid to practice. Because you know what? I get to spend a little time with them in the car. There's a lot of things that we perceive as have-tos. When they're overs, we realize they were get-tos. Ask a parent whose kid has graduated, right? You may feel like a human taxi right now. But when they're gone, you're like, I kind of missed that 15 minutes I got to take them to practice. Ask a mom who put their kid in, in first grade, not kindergarten. In kindergarten, she's still like, thank you, Jesus, for kindergarten. At first grade, they're like, man, I miss this time with our kids. I miss it. I loved half-day kindergarten. That's because when I came home from work, my kids were there. I don't like beating my kids home from work. Like, that is, that's just crazy. Like, get off the bus already. I want to play. Right? I, I miss that time. I miss, I miss those moments. Turn your have-tos to get-tos. I know a lot of people who have been retired, and they love it, but they're also like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands, Jared. I, I don't know what to do right now because I want to do something, but I, I'm just, I've, got, I've been working so hard for my whole life. Now what do I do? Your have-tos can turn into get-tos. That doesn't have to change. You don't have to turn in anything else to do that. Time is not something we endure, but something we treasure. Time is not something we endure, but a treasure. That is a shift in mentality. So often we talk about our jobs, our marriages, and our family like we are here to endure it, like they are our penance or our jail sentence. What happens when we shift our mindset to enduring but to treasuring? Some of you are like, Jerry, you have no idea where I work. I I understand, right? I've worked weird jobs. I sold free magazines. Okay, I understand working weird, terrible jobs, okay? It's a thing. Trust me. Uh, (laughs) But time is not something we endure, but treasure. And James 4, 13 through 14 says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then vanishes. You are a mist. Thanks, James, for that uplifting talk. But you are a mist. You don't know if you're here tomorrow or not. You don't know. There's a truth. We talked about a couple weeks ago. There's a truth. I am closer to death today than I was yesterday. Man, Jared, you make me feel so good. But I am closer to death today than I was yesterday. There is nothing I can stop about that. 
My parents are one day closer. My kids are one day closer. You are one day closer to death today than you were yesterday. My nine-week-old is closer to death today than she was yesterday and be closer tomorrow than she was today. That's how life works. It's a reality that we have to face. But every day is a gift. Every day is something that we, we get to spend. We get to allocate. We get to put purpose behind. How are we doing that? One of the hardest things and most treasured things and awkward things about doing my job is sometimes I get to spend moments with people before they die. I get to spend the last couple of weeks of their life, they, they, they want to ask me questions or want to talk to me about something. Maybe they don't even want to talk to me, but I kind of barge in anyway. Kind of happens. But this is a treasured, treasured thing. And oh, there's always two questions that happen. Two things that need to be resolved. Two. Not 18, not 80. Two. They boil down into this. What's my relationship with God look like? And what does my relationship with my loved ones look like? How do I restore the relationship with God? And how do I restore the relationship with loved ones? That's what it, what it boils back down to. You get all these loose ends because the conversation will veer off to, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this and this and this and this. And I don't want to put the burden on my family. It's the restoring of the relationship of, of the family. I don't know about God and I got this fear and I have this, all these, these anxieties going up. It's restoring the relationship with God. When people are dying, these are the questions they ask. Guess what, folks? You all are dying. I am full of good stuff today. You all are dying. Slow, some of you slower than others. But those two questions, you can take care of today. You don't have to wait until you've got cancer. You don't have to wait until you have an aneurysm. You don't have to wait until you're going in for a major surgery. You can answer the questions. How do I restore my relationship with God and restore my relationship with others? Because when you do that, you know you've made the most of your time. If you are actively restoring the relationship between you and God and restoring the relationship between you and others, you know, you never have to doubt. You know, like, how am I spending? I wasted time today. But if I'm restoring those relationships, I'm making the most of my time. It's a vapor. Time is a gift and we take it for granted. Let's make the most of it. The rest of today is going to be a lot more hope-filled, okay? How, how do we make the most of this time? John 15, 9 through 13. Now, this is like, if you want to read ahead and get the answers for the next couple of weeks, you can do this. John 13 through the end of the book, you can just read the, those, uh, those passages, staying there. But John 13, 14, 15 is this chunk of scripture after Jesus has eaten the last meal, after the last supper. It's this, it's this chunk of scripture where, where Jesus is imparting the last bits of information. Think about it. He's sitting around the room. He knows this guy's going to betray him. This guy's going to deny him. This guy's going to doubt him. That guy's going to die on a cross. This guy's going to die on a cross upside down. This guy's going to get a spear through the stomach. This guy's, he knows it all. He sees it. And so these are the last words that he can speak to them. And he says, he says this right here. As the father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no, no one other than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is my command, love one another. If, if you have unresolved arguments, if you have unresolved conflicts, if you have unresolved issues, you're wasting time. You're wasting time. And immediately in your head, you say, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know what I went through. Does it really matter? If we're all dying, does it really matter? If you had two weeks to live, does it really matter anymore? I think that puts it in perspective a little bit more about time. Like, is it worth it? Is it worth holding this? Is it worth wasting my time being mad over that or angry over that or having anxiety over that? Is it worth? I only get a finite amount of time. I only have so many hours in the day. Is it worth spending it that way? The command is to love one another. No time spent loving is ever wasted. So what do we do with time? We love. Is that hard? Absolutely. Is it difficult? Oh, yes. There's some people that are hard to love in life. You may live with them. You may work with them. You may know them. And you most certainly drive on the freeway with them. People are hard to love, but it is a command of God. God gives all these different commands. There's all these different laws. There's all this stuff. You read in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, all these crazy things about how uh, your hair is supposed to be parted and what you're supposed to do when this happens and all these different things. Jesus says, listen, guys, that's a lot of weight. Love one another. You know what? I think people were like, I'm going to go back to the sacrificing the birds and the parakeets and whatever they did and all these things because I don't loving people that are messy and ugly and, and hurtful. That's even harder than keeping all the stuff that's back here. This is what Jesus implores his followers to do. Love one another. Investing, investing in the kingdom of God is something that never comes back empty. So how do we do this? Do we actively restore relationship? Do we actively restore relationships? One day, Jesus said to his followers, there will always be the temptation of sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, each time turn again and ask for forgiveness. You must forgive. In other words, how many times am I supposed to forgive this knucklehead? Infinity times infinity. There's not a, a oh, oh, that's one with too many check marks. I'm done. I'm out. I'm gone. Infinity times infinity. If he's sending you again seven times a day, but ask for forgiveness. We're to forgive to restore 
the relationship. And this hit me like a ton of bricks. I sit in my office Monday morning working on this message. This sentence here, it might be just for you, for me, not, not for you, but for me. And you guys are just get to, get to hear it. But I think it might have some truth for you. My need to be right cannot supersede my calling to restore. Anybody else like to be right? I like to be right. I'm an only child. I won almost all my arguments. I let the dog win a few. But, you know, my need to be right cannot supersede my calling to restore. To restore the relationship with your children, restore the relationship with your uncle, restore the relationship with your your spouse, restore the relationship with your parents. My need to be right cannot supersede my calling to restore. That's difficult. But how many times are we supposed to forgive? Infinity times infinity. My need to be right cannot supersede my calling to restore. Next thing we do to know that we are investing our time right. Do we invest in others? Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Time is tricky. It so easily can be wasted. It can get away from us. It can be forgotten. But when it's invested in others, it always pays dividends. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. We should be much more concerned with how we are living, not how long we live. We should be much more concerned with how we are living than how long we live. There are some crazy ways to try to make yourself live longer. Right? We can run on treadmills all day long. We can swim. We can diet. We can do a paleo, a ketico, a Daniel plan. A, I'm looking for the bacon diet. Um, we can do all kinds, the Marishka's diet. There you go, folks. I can sell, I'm going to write a book. We'll be good to go. Uh, but we can do <laughs> it's how to add 30 pounds in three days. Um, we, but we're all very, very, very concerned with how do we live longer? Some of you go to like 18 doctors in one week. It's your new hobby. You don't really like this hobby and it's a very expensive hobby, but it's what you do. And I'm not telling you not to go to your doctors, and I'm not telling you not to eat well or, or to exercise. But the idea is that we get so consumed with this idea is I want to live for as long as why you're not spending the time you have here well. Why would you want that to elongate that process? We should be much more concerned with how we're living now than how long we will live. Because we are just a what? A vapor here today gone tomorrow. Finally, in this way in which we know we're not wasting our time, are we known for love? John 13, 34, 35 says this, a new command I give you. This is in that, that final, like I, I set up earlier with John 15, it's his final speaking into his disciples. His final, this is what I want you to get. I want to strangle these teenage boys with this. 
in love. <laughs> a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, they will know us by our love. This is incredibly, incredibly important. Are you known for love? It's a litmus test. When people think of you, do they think of, oh, Mr. Cranky Pants? Right? I've been loved by some cranky people. My grandfather was one of them. <laughs> right? right? But I, <laughs> I, know, I know what it's like. But you can love one another. Are you known for that? Do people know that when they're in your presence that they are loved? Whether that's the people at work, in your sphere of influence, in your home. What does this look like? Are you known for love? We have no idea how many days on this planet we get. But we can control how we love people. We forgive. We invest in others. And we love people. This is how we know we're not wasting time. This is how we know our days count for something. That our momentary blip on the universe screen means something. That when we love people, we know our time is spent well when we spend it forgiving, restoring, investing, and loving people. It's not easy. None of this is easy, but it's good. And it's how at the end of your days, whenever that may be, you can know I lived my life well. That I invested my time well. That I didn't waste these moments. That I got the most out of it. As I go back to uh, my previous statement, when I talk to someone who's at the end of their life, maybe they're in hospice care or doing, doing something like that, and they ask one of those questions, how do I know my relationship with God is, is secure? And I just wish I could restore the relationship with my loved ones. Those are questions you can ask yourself today. Those are questions you need to ask yourself today. Because the excuses and the hurt and the pain and all that, the junk that kind of goes around here, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you come at it with the, with the idea of my job, my, my whole purpose, to know that I'm not wasting time here today is to love people to forgive them, to restore them, to invest in them. For you this morning, it's an open invitation to, to take care of, especially the one with, about God. That to know that you are walking with God can take a huge load off your chest, weight off your shoulders. To never have to doubt, am I walking with him? Do I, do I know him? Am I... Concerned with him? What does this look like? It's as easy as saying, God, be the Lord of my life. This love that you talk about us having, I need it first for my life before I can even give this kind of supernatural. Because I have grudges, I have issues, I have stuff. So I know I need to be forgiven before I can forgive like this. If that's you today, I want you to pray with me. As the band comes up to play us, um, 
our last song, I just want to step into this idea of God forgiving us, extending this love to us. God, right now, I, I know I'm a messy person, and I got issues, and I got things. And I got roadblocks that I put up, and why I say I can't talk to you, God, and I can't. I got excuses. Why I can't restore relationships. But I don't want to waste any more time, God. So here and now, Lord, I, I lay my life at your feet. I, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to control my time. In this world and in the next. That you would give me the strength to restore relationships with the people I've hurt and the people that have hurt me. That you give me the, the strength to forgive Lord, right now I give my life to you to know that my eternity can be with you. That I can have that question answered in my life. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.